Welcome to the Breaking 50% Podcast, where we bring you a few minutes of NFL gambling news because you care about gambling, but you just don't want to spend too much time learning about it. Trash cover of the week. Jets plus two and a half over the 49ers. I'm still in disbelief this is happening. No, not that the Jets covered this game, which was a pretty appalling cover. They were down 17-3. They were starting a rookie quarterback who was making just preposterous decisions, flushed to his left, throwing back across his body to people like Robbie Anderson, getting a miracle two-point conversion that made this cover even possible, then getting the ball back and getting a field goal as time is expiring. All really, really questionable. But no, what I really can't believe is that Chip Kelly is struggling this mightily. There were plenty of naysayers when he came to the NFL because college coaches can't make that jump. We've seen people like Nick Saban and Bobby Petrino and Steve Spurrier, and none of them were able to sustain any amount of legitimate success before having to go back down to the college level. So why would Chip Kelly be different? One thought was that he was incredibly intelligent. Houston Texans head coach Bill O'Brien was on the same coaching staff as Chip Kelly when they were at New Hampshire, and he talks about how from day one, it was just patently obvious that Chip was smarter than everyone else. This intelligence certainly was part of the reason why he was able to take a fairly mediocre program in Oregon and turn it into a national power. And he did it by playing a fundamentally unique brand of football, which he brought to the NFL successfully. In his first season, he went 10-6 and six with a bunch of players who went 4-12 and 12 the year before, and then followed it up by going 10-6 and six in his second season with Nick Foles as his quarterback. Nick Foles threw for 27 touchdowns against two interceptions. Nick Foles can barely last on an NFL roster now. Just imagine what Chip would be able to do if he had some talent at the skill positions. But then things started to degrade a little bit in his third season. The Eagles would only go 7-9, and nine, and Chip somehow wouldn't even last through the season. It's really hard to be good in the NFL. Just ask Bill Belichick, who started his Hall of Fame career 6-10, 7-9, or Bill Walsh, who started 2-14, 6-10, and, and, and you, the Eagles, happen to land someone who you have good reason to believe is an innovator, an extremely different, out-of-the-box, intelligent thinker. He actually produces for two seasons at a far above-average clip. Little hiccup in the third year, and you just call it quits? Needless to say, it seemed like this was an incredible gift for the San Francisco 49ers. After all, Chip probably didn't even get fired because of his coaching. There was just some acrimony in the front office and at the executive level, and now with a fresh start out west, yeah, the Niners were terrible in terms of talent. But Chip had already shown that with terrible talent, he could do something. And Colin Kaepernick was a few years removed from being... Ah, pass away from winning the Super Bowl. If there was anyone who could do something great with this Niners roster, a roster that was so devoid of talent, Jeremy Curley is the best receiver. Chip Kelly seemed like he would be that guy. But no, he has not been that guy. This might be the time where you use the argument that is so often used when there is a, quote, revolution happening in the NFL. Just give the defenses time. Just give the coaches time, and we'll see how long this lasts. The Wildcat offense had its run, and then everyone figured it out. The running quarterback revolution had its run, and then everyone figured it out. So could that just be what's happening here? Said Chip Kelly always had been the smartest guy in the room until he got to the NFL, and while he did have a unique edge at the beginning... 
everyone caught up. And now defenses know what's happening and he's failed to keep innovating. It's certainly possible, except there's that just tiny little fact that there's so many coaches who are using many of his concepts, many of his plays, much of his style. In fact, the offensive coordinator for the Oakland Raiders, the Oakland Raiders who are ripping up the league with their offense, Bill Musgrave is the guy's name. This is what he said. Quote, the majority of what we're doing on offense is Chip Kelly stuff. And there still is the reality that Chip Kelly is trying to be successful in San Francisco with offensive players who could barely start on just about any other roster in the NFL. If Kelly ends up not working out, and I am still in the camp that believes he will figure it out, the best explanation I've heard comes from Chris Brown of Smart Football. He theorizes that Kelly may be a victim of the innovator's curse, which, as Brown writes, is this. The first idea of the curse is that innovations that can't be protected frequently don't benefit the innovator, an issue for Kelly given that one can't patent a football play, and any play that works one week is sure to be used across the league by the next. The second idea behind the innovator's curse is that, having once innovated, it's increasingly difficult for the innovator to continue innovating. To use Silicon Valley examples, there are countless IBM Xeroxes and Yahoo's one-time disruptors whose cultures and ideas ossified and who eventually became the disrupted. If Kelly fails to innovate and evolve, he'll just be yet another in a long line of football coaches, once considered cutting edge, who themselves were disrupted. Least favorite comment of the week. It's better to go in as a wild card. This comment is only possible when relying on history to such an oppressively incorrect degree that the most basic understanding of competition is somehow lost. That understanding being that every time you step on the field against an opponent, there is a chance you could lose. So if given the choice between a first-round bye, meaning that you only need to win three games to be the champion of the NFL, versus a wild card, where you have to win four games to be the NFL champion, there isn't a decision to be made. You take the first-round bye. And yet, some Giants fans are talking about how, yeah, it is possible we could win the NFC East, which even that discussion is is absurd. It's incredibly unlikely that that would happen, but let's say that it could happen, which is true. It could happen. These Giants fans are saying, yeah, we could win the division and, and possibly get a first round bye, but... I don't know, our team, I mean, we've won all of our Super Bowls when we came in as a wild card, and then we would get this matchup potentially against Dallas in the second round, which that's a good matchup for us, so I don't know, it might be better to go in as a wild card. And we know Giants fans are stupid in a lot of ways, namely the fact that they continue to believe and insist that Eli Manning should be and will be in the Hall of Fame, but this is really taking it to another level. It would be heinous enough simply suggesting that you would rather have all road games and have to play one extra game. But then you give the justification, and this this is where it it, it goes from something heinous to, to something where you should never be allowed to give a sports opinion ever again, when you suggest that previous Giants teams that were filled with different players, that had different coaches, 
that because those teams won the Super Bowl from the wild card position, the 2016 New York Giants would benefit from being a wild card. Reminder of the week. The favorites haven't changed. There are two types of major narratives that appear just about every single football season. The first one we talked about around Thanksgiving, and that is a narrative of inevitability. When teams are streaking, when they appear to be significantly better than all competitors, the outcome is inevitable. We know who's going to win the NFC. We know who's going to win the AFC. We know what's going to happen in the Super Bowl. In the worst moments, this will be taken to the extreme of why even try? We got to this point in last year's NBA season where why would teams even try and make a trade? Why would teams even sign a free agent? I mean, it's going to be the Warriors who win the championship. We all know this. You should just tank uh, and try and win a championship another year. The other narrative is on the totally opposite end of the spectrum. That is one of chaos. We don't know what's happening. All these teams are flawed in various ways. This narrative tends to pop up after the very small sample size of one game, when a team that we've assumed is part of the inevitability narrative falters. Do we consider the fact that most teams don't go 16-0 or 15-1 or even 14-2 and that multiple losses is the norm? No. We use this one game as a gateway to ask all sorts of questions, to raise all sorts of possibilities to such an excessive degree, it's easy to forget these fundamental facts. The three favorites to win the Super Bowl are in order. The New England Patriots, the Dallas Cowboys, the Seattle Seahawks. That has not changed, and that doesn't change just because a team has a bad game in a week within a 17-week season.